Hey, it's Daryl. As we get started, I wanted to let you know about a new course that I just released last month, and it is called Helping Others Grow. And if you are interested, uh, I want to give you a special coupon for podcast listeners, and the code is PODCAST21, PODCAST21, and that will get you $10 off the course Helping Others Grow. If you're interested, go to gospelforlife.com, and you can find out more information there. Okay, that's it. Let's get started. Welcome to the Gospel for Life podcast. We help churches make disciples. And now, here's your host, Daryl Dash. Well, hey, I'm here with Kevin Halloran. And is that how you say your name? Did I get it right? Halloran? Okay, cool. And Kevin has written a great new book called When Prayer is a Struggle. And I don't know anybody uh, who doesn't struggle with prayer sometimes. So it's such a timely book. I could say that anytime because it's always appropriate. And uh, so, Kevin, I'm glad you could join us today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Daryl. Looking forward to our time. So I I don't know if you've heard the story of, I think it was Sinclair Ferguson, and publishers approached him and asked him to write a book on prayer. And he said no, because he said it would have to be somebody who's older, more seasoned, and more prayerful than he was. And he suggested other names. And the publishers uh, laughed and said, we actually asked those guys too, and they said the same thing. (laughs) And Sinclair Ferguson said, who can write or speak at any length easily on the mystery of prayer? So why is it that even somebody like Sinclair Ferguson, you know, it's not just new believers. It seems like everybody struggles with prayer. Why is that? It's a great question. That reminds me of the fact that there are two types of people who write books, the experts like your Sinclair Ferguson, and then your kind of everyday people who want to go on a journey to grow. And that's kind of my story. But yeah, prayer is, yeah, it's, it's a challenging topic. It's a super encouraging topic. And there's so much to say, and there's so many good books out there. But yeah, it's it's a challenging topic. I think theologically, there are questions we have about prayer. Sometimes we wonder, you know, if God is sovereign, why pray? I think, I think I encourage people to rest in God's sovereignty to drive you to prayer. He can control the whole universe, and He understands what you're asking, what you need, and so that, that's very inviting. I think in terms of prayer, but as, as you're alluding to, I think we all realize we don't pray as we would like. And that's kind of the the background for this book, because about 10 years ago, I realized that even though I was almost done with a seminary degree, had had various leadership roles in schools or churches that I had attended, you know, prayer wasn't easy, didn't come natural, and I kind of kept making the same excuses. (laughs) And I, I realized at one point, making those excuses and not really trying to grow is actually kind of an offense against God you know, everything he's done for us in Christ to make prayer even possible. Him as our father calling us his children, inviting us to pray. Like, man, there's there's so much more of God that I'm missing out of just because I'm kind of lazy or I make excuses too easily instead of trying to figure out why why is it that I have a hard time focusing in prayer? And why is it that I have a hard time finding the right words for prayer? And so I I started a journey. I told myself I'm gonna 
you know, maybe this will turn out into a bigger project that can help other people. Maybe I'm the only person that will help, but I need to know how to grow in prayer. And I praise God that it's been, it's been a long journey, but I'm just incredibly encouraged. And I, I think for everyday believers that, I mean, everybody, even Sinclair Ferguson, sometimes it's, it's the simple tools. It's remembering simple gospel truths for me are, are, is what motivates me the most to pray and helps me overcome the obstacles that I have, which sometimes seem like there are many. When you think about it, you know, if I could pick up the phone and call the prime minister and ask him to do something, or if you could phone the president and ask him to do something, that's a tremendous amount of, you know, it's a huge privilege we have. So to to speak to the God of the universe and to know that he cares for us and wants to hear from us is an incredible privilege. And yet <laughs> it seems to be something that we're, we're not really, we're, we're not odd that we get to do it a lot of the time. So why is that? Why is there that disconnect between what prayer is and, and our unwillingness to, or maybe our struggle in doing that? I think one of the answers is that we're, we're busy. <laughs> we have a lot going on and we can easily lose sight of some of those great gospel truths. They feel ordinary. You know, prayer, instead of calling out to the God of the universe, who has more power than the prime minister or the president, and loves us and cares for us, we, it, it turns into a, oh, this is something I have to do. It's a duty instead of a delight. And it's, it's a discipline that we're not very disciplined in, <laughs> instead of a great privilege. And I think, I think we need to remember that things, great opportunities and great, great duties that we have are, are great delight, we, we should discipline ourselves for that act, right? Like when I was dating my wife, we talked on the phone every single day because I wanted to know her more. That was a discipline. Of, it, it, I had to say no to other things and to, to say yes to her. And I think it can be similar with prayer that we, we forget the great opportunity we have to respond to the conversation that God has already started in his word and in the gospel through Christ. And I, I personally, well, the, the first chapter of the book is uh, we forget why prayer matters. <laughs> that's, that's one of the big foundational struggles that we have. And ultimately, I think a lot of it is an issue of faith. Are we truly believing in a moment-by-moment -moment way all the, the truths of the gospel and remembering who God is. And that's why at the beginning of the book, I encourage people, focus on faith, focus on love for God, because without a growing faith and a growing love for God, trying to grow in prayer, it's not going to be useful. Yeah, the focus, I, it's ironic because the more we focus on prayer, the harder it gets. And the more we focus on God, Actually, it, it somehow becomes easier, right? Because the goal isn't prayer itself. Prayer is a, is the means to the end, which is the the invitation that God extends to us and in, in intimacy with him. Yeah, and so often when we think of prayer, we think about ourselves mm -hmm. and how we don't measure up, how we don't pray as well as so-and-so at church. Or Yeah, that's exactly right. We need to put our eyes on God and warm our hearts with what he's done for us in Christ. So what surprised you about the some of the, what you learned about uh, the problems maybe in, in how you diagnose our lack of prayer and also the remedies to those struggles? Yeah, I love that question. And there were a lot of things that surprised me. One of them was just the, 
how many struggles that I had that I didn't really think about. <laughs> so I searched scripture, talked to, I, I did an informal survey about 100 believers about how they struggle to pray and what helps them. You know, I read a bunch of books on prayer, kind of with the angle looking for how do we overcome struggles. And I realized that I struggle with a lot of different things. So that was, in, in one sense, a little discouraging. But the encouraging part was that there are some tools, some ways of thinking about prayer that have really helped me overcome multiple struggles all at once. And one of them was simply praying scripture, having a few tools to pray scripture or to pray prayers shaped in scripture, maybe pray using the Lord's Prayer. But not only does that give me words to say, but it gives me a path, a path for my mind to walk down so I'm not as distracted. I have something in front of me I can follow, and I have a rhythm I know the next step to take, and so I can do that. And yeah, I also was surprised that just the universality of all of these struggles, we all at different times deal with all of them. I, I have nine in the book, nine different chapters, and some of them are very obvious, like focusing. I think just about every Christian would say it's hard to focus in prayer at times. I think one of the more universal ones that people realize is that sometimes we just don't have words for prayer. But other struggles like having mixed motives, as it says in James 4, or one of, one of the biggest surprises was realizing how I need to have a good system for intercession. Uh, and I, I talk about that in the chapter, it's called I'm So Unorganized. That's because God commands us to intercede for a lot of different things in Scripture. We're supposed to pray for ourselves, family, friends, people at church, pastors, supposed to pray for more gospel workers, the spread of the gospel locally around the world, politicians. It's, it's a big list. And maybe, maybe Daryl, you felt overwhelmed sometimes, especially during a global pandemic. You just hear major prayer needs coming at you from every direction. But I, I found that if I don't have a system to plug those prayer requests in to ensure that I will pray through them, it's probably not going to happen. And the system that I use is an app called PrayerMate. Not sure if you've heard of that, but it's a simple app that has a kind of like an ind the index card method that you can schedule different rhythms of prayer. So if a friend sees me at church and says, Kevin, please pray for my wife and I in this situation, I can make a prayer card and say, I want to pray for this each week or each month. And that ensures that as I'm cycling through those prayer cards in the morning, and that's when I seek the Lord through prayer most of the time, that ensures that it comes up regularly. And so that, that was one of the, the more encouraging surprises, is just realizing like there are very useful tools that it, it takes a little bit of time to set up, but someone could also at the same time get started with an app like PrayerMate or with a prayer journal or any number of other methods, you could take five or 10 minutes and get started and you'd still be a lot further ahead of where you would be without any effort. Absolutely. And PrayerMate, what I love about PrayerMate is that it's free. So anybody can download it and use it. There's not even a cost and very intuitive to use. Yeah. Yeah. It's on iPhone and Android, I believe. Yeah, that's right. So it's good. Well, how would you counsel somebody who feels like uh, maybe they see prayer as a, a 
box to check in the morning or an obligation or maybe even something they feel guilty about. And I think about, you know, if I (laughs) went to my wife and I said, hey, I feel really guilty, you know, like I haven't taken you out and I kind of want to check that box that I've taken you out for dinner and spent some time with you. I think she would take it, but she'd go like, man, like it'd be a lot better if you, (laughs) if it was a desire rather than kind of an obligation. So what would you, how would you counsel somebody who was feeling like that with prayer? Yeah, a verse that comes to mind is John 17, 3, where Jesus, he's praying to God the Father. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So that reminds me that knowing God, knowing Christ, and prayer is a major way that we know God and communicate with him, live in that relationship. That's what eternal life is. And that's kind of the point of the whole Bible, Genesis through Revelation, how many times do we hear the mention of the theme of, you know, the dwelling place of God and Revelation, it ends saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God will be their God. That's, that's what life is all about. <laughs> and we can so often forget that. And like you said, focus on prayer itself instead of prayer as the means for knowing God and for shaping our lives and our hearts according to his will. And so I, I, I just love how the Lord's prayer opens. It reminds us of that relationship. Our Father who art in heaven. And I, and I love that God gives us this prayer, Holy Spirit-inspired prayer, the Lord's prayer, that we can just take back to him and, and look at him, remember that relationship. And I, I think one of the biggest issues or, or the biggest root causes of our struggles in prayer especially guilt, is forgetting that God is our Father. We think of God more as an ATM machine that, you know, we, we pray a little bit, we get what we want, or we think of Him like the force from Star Wars that, you know, the wind is kind of blowing one direction or the other. It's kind of impersonal force. We don't know what is happening. Or we can think of God as a, an angry boss who is very demanding and we have to do exactly what He wants to do or He's going to get really angry at us and act out. But God is our Father. And everyone with kids knows just how having a child can totally change your, your life and, and your affections. You know, when, before my daughter was born, you know, I loved her more in a different way than any other person in the whole world because she's my daughter. She didn't do anything to deserve that. But, and just thinking about that's God's love for us, you know, for those who put their faith in Christ, repented of their sins. We were his enemies, and he sent Christ to the cross so we could be his sons and daughters. And I, I just love that, that remembering God is our Father and we are his children invites me to pray so much, even with my sin, because, you know, the Lord's Prayer, we can pray, forgive us our debts. God, God knows we're going to need that petition. And he, you know, he's not going to give us that petition if he's not 100% willing to answer it and to forgive us, and to help us grow and and be changed by grace. So Kevin, that's one of the things, the barriers to prayer, I think, uh, when we do sin. I remember reading a book that said, you know, the moment you feel conviction of sin, run to your father and confess to him, you know, he's he's ready to receive you and and yet when i find when i experience that conviction of sin there's almost a desire to run away from god i think mm-hmm. of adam and eve in the garden right and yeah. we hide ourselves and and we're embarrassed and filled with shame how do we overcome 
the the reluctance to come to God when we're really messy and needy and maybe even guilty? Yeah, that's such an important question. And thinking through my discipleship journey, I still remember the first time I heard and where I was when when someone said that, you know, our sin should drive us to prayer instead of keep us from it because of the gospel. And yeah, it's just such a life-changing thing to realize that God knows we're going to be sinners. God knows we are sinners. And God has grace for us in our sin, in our feelings of ickiness and hiding from him. And it's also important to realize, and I'm sure you probably know this from personal experience, I certainly do, that the more we do hide from God, the just the worse everything is. In the end, you know, we're not abiding in him. We're and that's just going to cause other sin in our life, right? But as it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So one of, the, one of my other favorite passages is Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It talks about Christ being a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness, but was without sin. Verse 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And it's just so beautiful that we're sinners, but we can cry out to our holy God because of what Christ has done. We, there is grace to help in the time of need. And God gives that to us willingly. You know, just like my daughter, she, <laughs> she's young enough that like, she, she's not into any of the, you know, any big major sins, but, you know, I think she told her first lie a week or two ago. And yeah, that's not fun. I know things are going to get worse, but like, I still want her to come to, I still want her to, you know, I still want to have a relationship with her and I'm willing to forgive her. I want to teach her the Lord's ways, but that sin doesn't just, you know, because she's my daughter, that sin doesn't cut, off, cut her off from my relationship with her. So it's the, it's the same way with God. We need to remember the, the gospel is for sinners mm. and preach the gospel to ourselves. Mm. That's good. I want to give you a couple of the, the, the struggles that you cover in the book and just ask for a quick, uh, quick blurb from you or quick advice from you on how to handle these struggles. So distraction, how can we deal with distraction when we're praying? Yeah, I encourage listeners to first think, what are your major distractions? What are you thinking about when you should be praying? I want you to think why those particular distractions are distracting you the way you are. It could be there's an idol behind it you need to repent of. Could be that you're just avoiding something painful. Could just be mere lack of discipline and something I think we all need to grow in, especially if you know, in our smartphone age, there are so many digital distractions. Every generation has had to battle distraction, but ours is uniquely tempted, I think, in that way. And then I would think, I would encourage people, think practically. Find a, some good paths you can take in prayer. Maybe it's going petition by petition with the Lord's Prayer or praying with, uh, reading as you read Scripture. But I find when I pray the Lord's Prayer petition by petition, even when I do get distracted or have to take a phone call or something, I, I can make a mental bookmark what petition I was at, and then when I'm done, I can just go right back into it. So don't get too discouraged if you get distracted. When you realize you're distracted, just go right back to prayer. Okay. 
what about busyness? It seems like when I wake up in the morning, I have a to-do list and I have a pattern. I, I go through, you know, uh, a time of prayer in the morning, but I often feel that pressure of like, okay, I've got to get going. How do we deal with the busyness and the pressure to, to race through our prayer life? Yeah, that's one of, one of my biggest struggles. I'd encourage people just think about priorities and in your mind, in your heart, realize that prayer is vital. Prayer and scripture reading, communicating with God, hearing his word and responding back to him in prayer is vital. And so make it a priority. You know, none of us are too busy to pray, but it may seem like it. And there, for all of us, there are plenty of things we can take out of our lives to be able to add a little more focused time in prayer. One of the big encouragements I have in that chapter is, is to plan, plan a regular rhythm of prayer. For me, that's in the morning with coffee. Coffee helps me focus. <laughs> Keeping my phone in the other room helps me focus. Yeah, so so plan time, plan the place, maybe plan special prayer retreats or plan to pray with a friend. But I also encourage people to take advantage of short pockets of time throughout the day. It's amazing as you look at scriptural prayers, just how short many of them are. You know, the Lord's Prayer, you can pray in about 20 seconds. There are Psalms that, like Psalm 117, you could pray maybe about 10 seconds. You know, obviously, it's good to have longer times of prayer than that, and you need to have a, a foundation laid of a deeper time with the Lord, but we can commune with God throughout the day. And I've, I've found that little chunks of time for prayer often lead to bigger times because I'm really enjoying a certain aspect of the Lord's Prayer or the psalm that I'm reading. And one other encouragement is in the book Atomic Habits, there's a technique called habit stacking. And it's finding something that you're already in the habit of doing and then tacking on a new habit to use that momentum to keep to, to learn a new habit. So I encourage people to do that with prayer. What's something that you already do, you have a rhythm of doing that when you, for example, if I get a bill in the mail, the, the electricity bill, you know, I could complain about it. I wouldn't like that. Or I could pray. How could I pray because of my electricity bill? Well, it's amazing that electricity exists, right? <laughs> you think about that for a second. I praise God. Wow. Thank you, God, for making people in your image who can create something like this to improve my life in so many different ways. Thank you for providing the funds to pay for this. And thank you for all the people and, and work that, you know, even to get a bill in the mail dozens and dozens and dozens of people work and innovation made that even possible. So just use little moments of time throughout the day to say short prayers to the Lord, like, thank you, Lord. Or if you see a beautiful sunset, wow, that's amazing, Lord. And worship in little chunks of time throughout the day. Oh, that's great. Anxiety. I find that a lot of us are struggling with anxiety these days. Where I am, I, I planting a church in downtown Toronto and among the younger generation, I'm noticing there's a lot of anxiety. How do we fight that anxiety using prayer? The chapter I wrote on anxiety, I kind of, I kind of framed the chapter around a certain time that I was, I was super anxious. And I remember the promise of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which says, you know, by don't, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in my anxious bout, I, I remembered that. And 
So I started to pray, but I realized that prayer actually made me more anxious. And I, I think it's incredibly important for us to realize the type of prayer God is looking for in Philippians 4. And it's not a self-centered prayer. You know, when I was praying in that situation I was mentioning, I was really just focused on myself. I wanted uh, a silver bullet answer to just take away my anxiety at the snap of the fingers instead of really looking to God as the creator and source of all things and the the giver of peace and thinking about my situation from a, a God-centered perspective. And so that's one of the major encouragements I would give to the anxious person looking because unfortunately anxiety is is a major obstacle that keeps people from prayer, but it also might poison our prayers <laughs> if we don't think about it the way the Lord wants us to. There's another passage of scripture in First Peter 5 that mentions praying and anxiety, but it, it connects it to something that's surprising. It connects it to uh, humility. Verse says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. So we need a God-centered view of our anxiety, of our existence, what's happening in our lives, and looking to him, that's what's going to lead us to the peace that passes all understanding, which I love in that passage in in Philippians 4 that it mentions the peace of God twice, not just once later on, that if we follow Paul's example and his teaching and set our eyes on what's true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, excellent and worthy of praise, that as, as we do that, we reach God's peace. And for the people listening, if if you feel like what I was just describing, prayer making your anxiety worse, see it as an exercise. And and the greater your anxiety is, you might have to work much harder in order to reach God's peace, work and battle it out in prayer and asking the Lord for help. Lord, and I'm probably thinking through the situation in the wrong way, but please cleanse me of that and help me think your thoughts and immerse yourself in scripture in such a time. And God is going to lead you to peace. And sometimes the harder it is to reach, the greater it is once you reach it. And just delight in God and who he is, even through a terrible storm in your life. How has your prayer life changed as a result of writing this book? That's a great question. And something that as I've had more conversations about the book, I'm just growing more and more grateful for I, I'd say it's it's helped me in my view of God, as, as I've talked about. God is our Father, and we are His children, and that that changes everything. And remembering that really warms my heart, and, and makes prayer easy because I realize I can I can run to my Father with anything. I've I've also been more intentional in in practicing what I preach. <laughs> You know, realizing, you know, writing a book on prayer is in some ways easier than living out a book on prayer for the rest of your life. And so the Lord is, is challenging me, Kevin, you've, you've thought a lot about it. You've, you've done a decent amount of prayer, but you need to practice what you preach because there's a lot of spiritual fruit to be born, a lot of people to care for through intercessions, a lot of, yeah, who, who knows how God wants to use our prayers, right? And so how else is God? 
one one of the the things that has blessed me the most is just having a lot of time to meditate on the Lord's Prayer. I have a whole chapter that's pretty much an exposition of the Lord's Prayer, which is the first chapter. We forget why prayer matters, and I kind of frame it saying that the Lord's Prayer reminds us why we pray. But it's it's just such a com- concise but comprehensive look into what prayer is and who we pray to that I feel like I could spend the rest of my life digging into that scripture and just plumbing its depths and having that drive me to prayer for uh, a million different things. And I mean, how many people listening to this conversation haven't heard of the Lord's Prayer? <laughs> Everybody. And I mean, it's, it's potentially the, the most repeated uh, little chunk of, of text in, in the history of the world, you know, with all these different religious traditions and in scripture and in worship gatherings. But it, it's a gift from the Lord that we can take right back to him in a lot of different ways. Kevin, I want to ask you a couple more personal questions and that it can be about prayer or it can be about anything else. I'd like to ask all my guests the same uh, questions as we wrap up. What are you learning lately? Hmm. It's a great question. I think I'm just, it, it, often the Lord just deepens my appreciation for, you know, the simple things I learned in Sunday school. And those are often the things that transform my life the most. Just he's deepening my understanding of his word and my need for it. There's a lot of you know, in the ministry I'm a part of, in the ministry, you know, I transitioned from recently. It's easy to talk a lot about the word and a lot about the power of the word and not experience it as much yourself. And I want to be immersed in the word and have my life be like the, the man from Psalm 1. Tree firmly rooted by streams of water, bearing fruit in season and blessed of the Lord. And Psalm 1 and 2 are actually two passages that uh, the Lord has been really driving home to me because you look at Psalm 2, and that's kind of the introduction to the Psalter. Starts with, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the ways of the wicked, but delights in the way of the Lord. And then Psalm 2 ends talking about, talks about the nations raging and, you know, Christ is the, the judge and ruler of all things, but blessed are those who take refuge in Christ. And just the more I realize that that's, that's what life is all about, delighting in God's word and taking refuge in him. And prayer is one way to do both, right? To delight in God's word, we hear from God, and so we respond in prayer. Then we also take refuge in Christ. We run into the strong tower of Christ, and we are safe, as, as Proverbs says. That's good. This is a very, arguably a very discouraging time. What has been encouraging you lately? Hmm. Yeah, it is a very discouraging thinking through so many different aspects of life and, and the world and politics and the state of things. But I think the 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 freshness and the, the life that comes from the gospel has been encouraging. And I, I love the name of your podcast and platform, Gospel for Life, because it's it transforms us, right? We need God's grace. All of us, even when you've been in the church so long, we can't ever forget what grace is. And the prayer that comes to mind from Scripture is Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. 
is praying that the Ephesians would understand in a deeper way all of the great gospel truths they, they know about, the great gospel truths he was just talking about, you know, the hope they have in Christ, the fact that they're God's treasured possession, the, the, that they would know in a deeper way the power of Christ in their lives. And that's that's been my prayer for myself and my family and my church in very discouraging times that, I mean, part of it is we have so much the Lord has given us in, in society, in life, you know, a roof over our heads, food, relative safety, that we can be so discouraged by things that, you know, in the scope of world history is so unique to our times. Whereas we still are just as broken and needy as anybody else in world history. It's just a lot easier to forget it nowadays. And so the the beauty of dependence on the Lord, not knowing what tomorrow's going to bring, but not worrying about it because God's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> so that's kind of what the Lord's been encouraging me with of late. That's good. I'm very grateful for your ministry. I'm talking to Kevin Halloran, and he's written a book called When Prayer is a Struggle. And I think it's a very helpful book for anybody who struggles with prayer, which is really all of us. And Kevin, I really appreciate the way that you've not only given us good counsel, but your writing, I think, is a fellow struggler. And I think that's deeply encouraging to know that you're not up there, you know, lecturing down to us saying, get your act together. It really seems like you've listened to other believers and you've shared from your own struggles as well and given us very practical biblical advice for how to move through these struggles and and improve uh, our prayer life. Improve is almost the wrong word to delight in who God is and enjoy communion with him in our prayer life. So really appreciate your book. How can people find out more about you and also where can they find your book and buy your book? Yeah, you can visit kevinhalloran.net, and from there you can connect with me on social media. And my book is on Amazon, it's on Westminster Books, it's on Reformation Heritage Books. I know there's a Lagos edition, and there's an audiobook coming out soon through Christian Audio. I think it comes out next week, and a number of other places, but those are probably the best bets. Are you the narrator of the book? Unfortunately, I'm not, but the guy who did narrate did a great job, and I've never done an audiobook, so probably a lot better with him. Yeah, I think it's a lot harder than it looks, probably. So, yeah, it would be a very intimidating uh, task. But, well, Kevin, thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate your ministry, and I hope that this isn't your last book. I look forward to reading the next one, too. All right. Thank you so much, Daryl. It's been a joy.